Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're moving right along in Masech the Shabbos, Perichov Beis, Mishnah Aleph, and Mishnah Beis. And this Mishnah is going to sound familiar because we discussed the laws of saving food from a fire. And now we're going to discuss what happens if your barrel breaks in Shabbos and you watch your food start dripping away. What can you do? How much can you save? If your barrel breaks and you see that your food is starting to drip out and roll away, you're allowed to save up to the amount of three meals. And the concern here is that if you were allowed to save more than three meals, and by the way, just as we said back then in Tesvav Bays, that... Uh, excuse me, Tazayan base that you're allowed to say for three meals, we concluded it's only if there are three meals in front of you, meaning to say it's Friday night. But if it's Shabbos day, you can only say for two meals. And it's Shabbos afternoon, you can only say for one meal. Now, what's the problem? Why don't we like to save more? So our concern is that in the frenzy of trying to save your food, you may come to go and collect more containers, and then you'll end up running through a Rishos HaRabim, and you'll come to carry. So we limited, the rabbis limited how much you can carry in order to prevent you from transgression, trans, transgressing the prohibition of carrying in public. However, again, it's very much parallel to what we saw then. You can come and say, your friends, come and save. Well, you can do all this, but what you cannot do is soak up with a sponge your food. So let's say your soup is spilling out of the pot, or more likely your wine is pouring out of this barrel. Don't think you can be clever and take a sponge and put it there, and hope, hoping the sponge will soak up the wine, and you can squeeze the wine out of the sponge into another barrel after Shabbos, because for obvious reasons, you're going to come to squeeze. So we don't even allow you to sponge up the liquid. More on squeezing. You're not allowed to squeeze fruits in order to extract juice from them. Now, obviously, you're not allowed to squeeze that. that we discussed shrita or mefarik, which is a, a told of, of threshing. What's going? What's what's going on here? So the halacha really is that the, the the actual biblical prohibition of squeezing is only on things that are normally squeezed. Now, there happens to perhaps be even a machlokus that. Sorry, got interrupted there. The halacha is, again, backtrack, backtrack, this that you're not allowed to squeeze on Shabbos are only fruits fruits that are normally squeezed for their juice. However, if it's a fruit that only sometimes squeezed for their juice or seldomly squeezed for their juice, so then it's only rabbinic. The prohibition of squeezing is rabbinic. And if it's a fruit that's never squeezed, so then it may even be permitted. Now, this that being said, so back then in times of Chazal, it's primary olives and grapes, which we find... Uh, throughout Shas, those were squeezed for the groups, uh, as in for the oil and for the wine. But barring olives and grapes, the assumption was every other fruit was only rabbinically prohibited to squeeze on Shabbos. Nowadays, we squeeze everything. I mean, you walk into the uh, into any store, they have the, I think, the Boathouse, that brand, and you can literally get a mixture of every single type of, of juice, that uh, and fruit, that is, they'll squeeze into these juices. So it becomes a lot more complicated, and I believe the Shemir Shabbos writes, therefore, that with our modern food industry, it's all considered pro- uh, prohibited. Although, can you make an argument that Boathouse is a unique uh, brand and if they're known for their funky juices, so maybe it's only rab- rabbinic. So that's that becomes a, a larger question. But certainly there are fruits such as let's say oranges, where the vast majority of oranges in this world are not are not being sold on the marketplace, but rather they're being sold to Tropicana and other, what other what other other orange juice company out there to be squeezed into juice. And one can very make a very strong case and perhaps say pretty with uh, assertively be assertive when they say that orange juice oranges excuse me to extract the juice is to because the vast majority of oranges are in fact used for their juice. Be it as it may, what we have here is 
when it, uh, the assumption of our Mishnah here is squeezing a fruit to extract its juice on Shabbos is a form of the Mloch of Threshing, of Mepharic, and it's, pro- it's, pro- it's prohibited. What happens in Yotzim Atzim Asurim? What if you will see these, these, you have these beautiful, luscious, succulent, delicious oranges, and you notice they're so, they're so ripe that the, the juice is now coming out by themselves in Shabbos, it's just leaking out of the fruit? Then, too, it's prohibited. One's not allowed to drink the juice that, that, that comes out on Shabbos because the concern is you might come to, in fact, drink, to squeeze more to get more of the juice. So they go, that orange juice was delicious, now let's squeeze some more. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, one minute, we have here is a rabbanan, a dirabbanan, The halacha is that we're supposed we can only make one rabbanan. We don't make uh, rabbinic enactments in order to protect other rabbinic enactments. And here, let's, for argument's sake, let's say it's a kiwi. And I don't know, assuming that kiwis are only dirabbanan. Let's just, in, in the world we live in, let's assume it's dirabbanan. I'm not passing here. So I can't squeeze a kiwi on Shabbos, lest I come to squeeze a grape. And I, now I can't drink the juice of a kiwi that came out by itself, lest I come to squeeze a kiwi, which I want, it's only prohibited a durabanan from the rabbis, lest I come to squeeze a grape. That's a durabanan, not a durabanan. So the Gemara Bids already addresses this and says, no, it was one broad rabbinic decree that we can't squeeze uh, fruit on Shabbos that are not normally used for juices, but sometimes used for juices, and included in that decree is also one not allowed to uh, drink from whatever juice comes out by itself. Rehuda has a little bit more of a nuanced uh, opinion, and he says, no, it depends why you have these app, these uh, kiwis uh, sitting in your store or sitting in your house. If you purchase them because you plan on making a smoothie out of them, you plan on making them into a juice, so then what, what, what comes out from them by themselves when the juice that drips out of it is prohibited. Why? Because if you're planning on using it as a juice, and now it, it's juice by itself, so it's very likely you come and you'll squeeze more of it. However, if what emerges from it, if it's a, a kiwi that you have in order to eat, you want to eat a kiwi for dessert, I don't know, you want a delicious kiwi, you want the actually the fruit, and you notice that juice is dripping out, so then that juice is not prohib- pro- prohibited because you never intended on squeezing that kiwi, and therefore, Rehuda would say it's in fact permitted, we're not concerned you're going to come to extract more juice from the kiwi by squeezing it. Chalos devash sherisikim erev Shabbos. What about honeycombs? Honeycombs as well. One is not allowed to squeeze or crush, or crush on Shabbos because, um, because it's also a tolda of um, of extracting. It's mafarik. What about if the honey comes out of it on Shabbos? So we'll say as well, it's forbidden. You're not allowed to eat the honey that comes out of it on Shabbos, lest you come to actively with your hand go and extract more honey. Rabbi Lazar Mati, Rabbi Lazar permits it, and it seems like they have a bit of machlokas about the mitzvah, about the reality. Whereas the Tanakhama says that if you have some honey, you take honey out of your crushed honeycomb, you might come to crush it more. Rabbi Lazar says no, that once you crush a honey a honeycomb, so most of the honey is going to come out. You're not people generally don't go and crush more to get to extract more honey because the majority of it will come out once it's already crushed. And therefore, he permits it. Okay, Mishnah base. Kol Shabbos, We're pivoting now from the laws of Mefarik, of extracting juices, to the laws of Bishal. And anything that was cooked on on Shabbos, you may now soak it in hot water on Shabbos itself. And the reason for that is because, and this is something we discussed, ain't Bishal Acher Bishal. There's no cooking once you cook something. Once something is cooked, and again, you have to figure out and define exactly what is cook, considered cooked. But once you have something that's cooked, you can't cook it anymore. And therefore, you're allowed to soak it in this on Shabbos, provided that it's not actually on the fire. So you can soak it in hot water, that's Yatsa lettuce bow, that's hot enough to cook, provided that it's not on the fire itself. 
However, anything that has not been cooked in hot water before Shabbos, i.e. is not cooked, is raw, you're not allowed to soak in hot water on Shabbos, because that would be cooking it, but you're allowed to pour hot water on top of it to rinse it, and it's provided that the hot water is coming from a klisheni, or klishlishi, where we say klisheni in a mavashel. That is all true. However, old salted fish, small salted fish, and Spanish sole, another sort of fish, that although most, most raw produce and most raw foods, one's a lot of pour hot water on them to rinse them on Shabbos from a Kli one cannot do so with these items. Why? Because they're cooking is when you pour out water on them. You have a very, very salty fish, which is inedible because it's so salty. So how do you make it edible? When you pour out water on it, that will remove the salt. Now it's edible. And therefore, what you've effectively done is you've prepared it to eat. And so most of the Rishonim say what you've done is you've cooked it. That's considered cooking, and therefore it's prohibited. These three items is prohibited to do things where the where even pouring hot water would complete it. Now, I keep on using the word complete because actually this, sound, this, this resounds and sounds almost like a different malacha, and that is makabipatish, the final hammer blow, which we discussed. What is that? Literally, it's when you chisel out in the quarry. You have a rock, you chisel it out, and you take your hammer, you do one final whack, and it knocks it off the wall, knocks it off the quarry wall. The final hair of all, Makapat, is just the completion of a malacha. So there are others here, and the Biralacha has a long piece in it, the Primagod and the Lavush, and the Rishalmi says it, that perhaps one could say this is in fact not Bishal, but it's Makapatish. Here you have a food, it's all ready to be eaten. The only reason it's inedible is because it's covered in salt. So how do you remove the salt to make it edible? You pour a little hot water, which will dissolve and make the salt and wash the salt away. And therefore you have Makapatish. And this opens up a whole debate. Is there Makapatish by Ochlin? By food. Maybe you can say Makapatish. It's in building. It's in constructing things. But it's not going to apply by Ochlin. So the Biralacha seems to say at the end, we don't say it's by Ochlin. Others say it is. But one more idea, and then we'll, we'll conclude. And that is, however, when it comes to Ochlin, there certainly is the Malacha Bona. There is building. It's putting together blocks of cheese or making a block of cheese. That is, the Gemara tells us that is Bona when it comes as well to uh, um, honeycombs. You can have Bona there as well. Um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But that concludes our Mishnah. I wish you all a wonderful day.